right, welcome back to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. My name is Todd Mitchell, and I am back this week with my friend John Scheiber. It's a news week, and I am sorry in advance because the news is all terrible. But we're going to take a look at it and see how it applies to the game industry and see what impact it might have on it now and in the near future. So hopefully we can glean some useful information. Otherwise, it's just a just a pile of crap this week. So bear with us. We're going to do the best we can and try to make sense of things. In the meantime, if you would like a free way to support the show, you can do that by visiting CodeWritePlay.com, clicking through the Amazon banners on the right side or at the top of the homepage. You'll pay all the same prices at Amazon you normally do, but that's a free way for you to support us and help us keep the uh, operation moving in the right direction. You guys are doing it already. We hope you keep doing it. We love that. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Here's my chat with John. Hey, John, how's it going? Doing well, Todd. How are you? I am uh, doing better than the, I think the last couple of times we've recorded. We uh, we nearly recorded last night. We were both in pretty much out of sorts uh, mode. So. Yeah, brains <laughs> off like zombie mode for me. Yeah, so we said let's take 24 hours and regroup, and I feel a lot better. I do too. I feel infinitely better. I had a nice, healthy... Well, pretty much everything I had today was really healthy, and it just, it was a good day. Good food, um, took it easy on the yard work I've been doing, got a landscaping project going, and yeah, kind of just took it easy today, and I feel infinitely better this evening. <laughs> this is a, a funny icebreaker that has nothing to do with anything, but I was talking to some guys on Facebook. You and I are both from the Midwest. We've grown up here our entire lives. Yes, do you recall, we were both about seven or eight years old. Do you remember the um, the flood of 1993? Where the waters reached historic levels in Alton? Is that when that happened? Yeah, it was like a record-breaking... I, I just looked it up, actually. It was the most like costly flood in U.S. history. Wow, I had no idea. I didn't either, and I learned something else about it tonight. Maybe you heard this. Uh, somehow I missed it. I think it was just because of my age, and I wasn't catching a lot of news stories at the time. There was a guy from Quincy, so a little, little north of us, who was just sort of a deadbeat and spent a lot of his time uh, partying and drinking and stuff like that. So during this flood, he was over on the Illinois side. His wife is over on the Missouri side across the river, and he in an effort to party more and drink more and not be, uh, I don't know, held back by his wife, he broke part of the levee and caused like an additional 14,000 acres of flooding. Uh, they they didn't attribute any additional deaths to this, this thing he did, but he is serving a life prison sentence for intentionally causing a cat catastrophe so he could party without his wife. Holy cow. Did you ever hear that? No, I didn't either till today. <laughs> Holy cow. He's, he's serving his actual sentence was 10 to life, but he had an additional 10 years for like, the dude was a total asshole. Like he's an arsonist and a burglar and everything else. So they caught him for a number of things, but mostly he's serving a life sentence for intentionally flooding, uh, large portions of Northern Illinois. My goodness. What a jerk. <laughs> what a douchebag. I know. It's incredibly irresponsible. I can't believe that. <laughs> um, 
he's got his own Wikipedia page and apparently a New York times, uh, journalist wrote a book, uh, arguing for his innocence, which I don't know how you do that. He admitted the whole thing. (laughs) What an obscure thing to write a book about the innocence of someone for, or to write a book about period. Yeah. But I I would write something like that in a heartbeat. That'd be a fascinating way to spend some time. (laughs) It just seems like kind of a waste almost, but I mean, I guess I would check it out. (laughs) And uh, sadly, I think that's the most positive thing we're going to get to talk about tonight because we're, yeah. we're sort of doing a, a news roundup this week. And, oh, what a nightmare of a week for most video of games. It's pretty much, yeah, it's it is, not really too friendly. It is bleak. So so you've had some time to look some stuff up. You you brought something up that was uh, pretty excellent. And actually, let's let's lead off with that. Uh, okay. This, this really sort of sets the tone for the whole week. Um, somebody brought up the question... Um, what happens to your Steam library after your death? Uh, Steam's been around a while now. You know, millions of users, some of which have come and gone. And uh, the question arose, can you transfer that to a loved one? Is that something you can, I mean, even place in your will? Something like that. Something. Apparently the answer came back, absolutely not. You (laughs) that just... That just goes to be with Jesus or, uh, you know, whatever it is. And you brought the answer to my attention. I didn't know what they determined. Yeah. And um, it's just like, it's weird because it's a legal gray area. So they haven't like come out flat right out and and said, from what I understand, that is like, hey, you know, this is exactly what happens. But at the same time, it's just another one of those things on Steam's list where it's just like, "Eh, we don't have to, so we're not going to. Because, especially with that, it's just like, eh, you know, they all hit agree to terms, and there you go. And if, <laughs> I mean, so, like, if, if your kid takes your Steam library on after you die and just uses your login, is it sort of like, you know, taking grandma's social security check 10 years after she passed on? Or <laughs> I mean, like, it's, right? is that the equivalent of it? I think, I, I don't want to demonize um, valve too much for this because I, I think a lot of it is just the nature of like a non-transferable software license uh yeah that's a good point really i mean you're you're never buying something just directly from from uh, valve or anything unless it's one of their games you're you're basically steam is selling you a license to somebody else's thing and that's that's actually always very complicated and has miles and miles of red tape and legal jargon attached to it so i kind of understand that from the steam point of view you can't just go like yes we can give you permission to transfer those licenses you'd have to work that out with every one of your like i have i must have 500 games in my library mostly this is humble bundles fault like it is for you oh yeah i have so many games i haven't even played yeah and already i'm sure some of them you could never reach the developer anymore or the publisher uh some of this stuff is already (laughs) sort of hanging in uh in limbo you know yeah, I'm sure some of our keys have made it to gray key sites. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. bound to be something in my Humble Bundle library that if I went and tried to activate it right now, I'd be like, ah! And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I, I bought that. <laughs> yeah, right, I paid for that. Yeah, so so the first bad news of the week was uh, when you die, basically your Steam library dies also. Yeah, but you know what? I guess you just accidentally came up with a, a good solution which is just don't say nothing well you're dead you're not <laughs> yeah. gonna say nothing anyways but <laughs> just give your login info to the grandkid i i'm kind of with you there <laughs> i i think uh you know just i i keep all my accounts my wife and i both actually keep both of our our uh 
account info and a, just a giant spreadsheet uh, on Dropbox. So um, I don't know why I'm saying any of this. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> you may, you may actually want to edit this out. <laughs> so at the time of uh, publishing this podcast, we keep our uh, account info somewhere off Dropbox. <laughs> and uh, point being, uh, in the event that something happens to us one day, you know, our, our son or, you know, if I die, my wife can log into MySpace or whatever. <laughs> but but the point being that, you know, yeah, just, just pass it along. No one's going to think anything of that. Steam thinks you're trying to break no. into the account at all times anyway. Have you ever noticed this? Oh, my gosh. I have to do the two-process identification. I just had this today. So many because, times. Because um, you may have seen I, I posted that they the humble the Humble Store was giving away free keys for civilization three complete edition, which is awesome. I hope nice. everybody got that who wanted it. And I, I, again, I was doing it through the browser on my MacBook, which I've used day in and day out for years already. And well, this is a new one, but at least one year and every single time. Oh, it looks like you're using steam from a new browser. It's like, no, I'm just using steam from any browser at yeah. all. And you're going to make me do this every single time. Yep. And well, only, you know what? The only problem with that is Steam accounts still get stolen all the time. That's what I was going to say. I go, yeah, I guess you're right. I was going to say at least it's got some protection you're into, but yeah, you're right. No, they get stolen a lot. <laughs> so maybe they could ease up. I've complained about this on Twitter many times, so this is not anything new. So, um, yeah, just keep your keep your login somewhere your kids can get to it is what I would say. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, because they don't want to have to go through the uh, past forgotten password, forgot user ID process. Right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm realizing a lot of the other news stories we uh, lined up for tonight really have made their way to, to my attention through Twitter. I, I was on Twitter a lot during the beginning of the week because I was sort of between tasks with clients and stuff. So some of this spills over politically from just mainstream media stuff. Uh, there's a, a huge, huge push right now about uh, women coming forward and talking about their experiences with sexual harassment, sexual abuse, um, terrible stuff, obviously, things things no one would, you know, condone or, or go along with at all. But, um, you know, you know, it's a great way to get your name out there, too, by saying such a thing. <laughs> well, yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's a, I'm just saying it, it's certainly a thing. Um, I. I kind of go back and forth about this because I I believe in the concept of um, uh, awareness about this sort of thing on its own. One thing I've noticed is there have been women I have worked with who, you know, we didn't work at very big companies. And a lot of this is sort of these vague posts where it's like, yeah, me too. I was, you know, harassed at the workplace and, and all this stuff. And I'm realizing, like, there's a whole lot of people that were all still connected on Facebook and you're saying you were sexually harassed at that job. You're not saying who. And conceivably, somebody could go like, who Who even worked at that? Uh, Todd worked with her at that job. And I'm like, I've never harassed anyone in my entire life. And uh, so I, I don't love sort of the mystery element of, of all this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm of a mind where if we're going to if we're going to talk about it, like, let's let's point some fingers like let's not. Let's not hurt the uh, the company and protect the offender and, and stuff like that. I don't I don't like any of this. Yeah, I think we got to be careful. We got to be really careful about this. Um, well, you know, boy who cried wolf, kind of a situation sometimes too. Now, I'm not condoning or saying that the actions of people in certain situations 
shouldn't be taken into heart. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you keep if we keep screaming this too much, eventually people are going to stop paying attention. And in all honesty, it might make it get brushed under the rug even more. It should be like, oh, you know, there's another person tweeting about it again in a vague way, just like you pointed out. So I, what? I think that's tricky. I, I would never tell anybody not to talk about it. What I would tell people is talk about it immediately, talk about it very specifically, and let's yes. deal with it. Okay, um, that I like. That's <laughs> that solution. That solution I like, and not the way that I have seen it brought up, right. um, like in the example that you had provided recently. Like I... Um, I've sort of alluded to this on Facebook also. I'm, I'm part of a couple of parenting groups where, and one specifically for dads where a lot of guys who are very in tune with this issue have brought this to the group and said like, you know, we really ought to talk about this is in the news. How do we approach this sort of thing with our kids? What do we, how do we avoid this? How do we protect our daughters from this? How do we protect our sons from this? And what, what I found is a little bit of what I think you were trying to get at was um, when there's this big group talking about this issue um i think there is a tendency to cast a wider net and sort of catch everyone in it instead of people who are hurting people you know uh it's exactly i I don't think it's fair to go like you you're all complicit like we certainly are not i have never done anything i do (laughs) i would never do anything and i'm pretty quick to go hey man not cool when i see examples of like a guy like i don't i don't just sit around and you know some guy goes like you know check her out i'm gonna go blah 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 i'm like dude relax let's not (laughs) yeah i don't want to hear it i don't want to see it i don't want it to be done so the problem with that is when these guys get sort of fired up and they go yes you guys are all complicit like well guess which way we're gonna lean we're we're gonna lean away from you and not toward you you're not you're not really working on the issue you're sort of just taking out frustration and don't do that yeah you know it's difficult when we live in the day and age of uh, victimhood you know again I don't want to marginalize anyone's struggle, but at the same time, we have to be very humble with the way that we carry ourselves. And I notice this culture of victimhood. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of movements and things that happen, uh, it brings a certain degree of poison into a scenario. So we should just tread very carefully yeah. in that, you know, because sometimes situations where people might be remembering back and and let's say you know um, this is all hearsay i'm just thinking uh, out loud and experiences that i've had in life and say that you know somebody did something to you and it put a block in your career advancement and you're mad and you're going you know what that guy was a was a d-bag the whole time anyways and then you're thinking to yourself you're like you remember that time you did something like this and because it was from a while ago like you pointed out you didn't tell anybody right away maybe you're doing that uh what was that famous newscaster that misremembered you know oh, what i'm talking the about old, the old brian williams effect yeah exactly um, where, where where something else has happened and then all of a sudden you're like you know that guy was and you know what you might be right that guy was it was a little bit of a d-bag but you know are you making him just being a d-bag worse because that it's a hot button thing it seems like the almost i hate to say it man it almost seems like it's the end thing to do is just start is just start yelling this instead of I don't know. I just get a sense that some critical thinking needs to be injected sometimes. I, I think objectively you, you could probably make a case that whether whether or not anything is I'm I'm never really going to listen to something and go like, I don't really believe that. I would have no reason to do that. 
I I would have the concern that maybe when in this volume people are are bringing stuff up that there is a much higher chance that something will get said that maybe they felt they didn't have the grounds to say otherwise. Um, yeah. At the same time, like a lot of legitimate concerns are coming up, and and so we we kind of don't have to drift into the hypothetical because we have a news story directly involved that's sort of more in our world. And that is the the, uh, situation with this naughty dog developer. However, in this case, it's a male who came out and said, um, long after he parted ways with uh, the studio, he said, Hey, when I was working there, I was harassed by my lead, which is to say my manager. And then the, the claims are a little bit convoluted, but, he says later he had a mental breakdown. Sony HR got involved. He was fired. And then it, it was enough on Twitter that Naughty Dog caught wind of this and said, uh, hey, you know, it came to our attention that a, a developer brought up this this claim. Um, the best we can say is that he never, ever reported it to us. And we would take it very seriously if he had. And uh, that's that was about the extent of their statement. And... Twitter caught fire because I, I guess they wanted to they wanted someone at Naughty Dog to go shoot the other person in the head you know, without like yeah, asking yeah. any questions or anything like bring him they, out and stone him in the courtyard <laughs> right and, and you'll you'll hear sort of drastic voices on both sides of a situation immediately however I bring this up because I actually heard very few voices who went like we don't have nearly enough information to even form an opinion about this yeah. Um, since that time, a reporter at Polygon brought up like, Hey, uh, there was a time when I was talking to somebody at Naughty Dog and he said something super inappropriate to me, which this one, I'm going to make myself a hypocrite. I I had trouble with this one because a journalist experienced this and didn't say a word about it. (laughs) If she decided not to do that, I, I would say that's somewhat unusual and there would never be a better time to go. Uh, hey, here's an experience I had, and this is bullshit. Because everyone would have agreed that the thing she described was absolute bullshit, and it would have been a fine yeah. time to get that guy fired before he could harass anyone else. Yes. I, so I agree. You will not hear me defend something like that, but we we got to talk about it. You know, the the guy who yes. came out on Twitter has named no names. Um, you know, technically he reported this on Twitter for the very first time. That was the first time it ever came up. I'm sorry. I am, I am all for investigating any complaint about this, but we have to have a name. Yeah. Yep. So, so I'm saying that the casting this wide net and just throwing these things around in the, in the type of soil, so to speak, that we have right now in the, in the political climate of our nation and the way people can lose their jobs, uh, so easily. And it's just like, you know, you got to be careful about how you do this. Like, I think I really like your perspective on it. If you're going to do it, make sure you do it. Don't just like be like, you know, well, this whole dev with a bad name in the first place is weird. It's right. almost like what it's almost like what's going down. And you're like, ah, I don't know. From the outside looking in, it just makes me feel again like, you know, is it just is it just trying to damage them to damage them from the information I have from my perspective? It, it seems like that to be, I mean, I'm just being honest. Yeah. When, when I was trying to present sort of a, what I felt was a sensible, like level headed approach to this. Uh, I had a guy who was talking to me about this, who was willing to argue that, um, 
no one's naming any names because like men are this dominant force and you can't you know you it's it's hard to to do anything and you're just going to ruin your career and all this stuff and and i guess my response to that was like yeah i think there was a time when that was true and i don't consider the average male uh certainly the average like straight white male who uh some people would argue perpetrate this the most often i don't think that guy's untouchable by a long shot anymore um, no and that's no. you you can look at the harvey weinstein thing uh you you can look at countless other guys who have just been absolutely destroyed by you know exactly this and and that's why i'm saying it's it's not bad that we should talk about it and that's the power of bringing up a name now you know yeah yeah so it, it's it's tough because like i said naughty dog that was the extent of their their response to it so far um and one problem is it's possible for Naughty Dog and this guy on Twitter to both be telling the truth because their stories don't necessarily conflict. Um, it's quite yeah. possible this guy was harassed on the job by a man, a woman, whoever it was. Naughty Dog didn't catch wind of it because the guy was concerned. And then later Sony got involved and, and they, they did fire him. You know, um, I don't think Sony's going to respond to this unless it were to come up in court somehow. Yeah, I don't predict a Sony response, judging by their past behavior. And I mean, Sony's a giant corporation with lawyers who want no part of this. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> Naughty Dog is a smaller group, more somewhat more politically active, I would say. Um, I'm not surprised they put out a statement, but I don't, I don't know what they were supposed to do. And people say like they did, they responded overnight. They blah blah blah. They didn't investigate this, and I'm wondering what more were they supposed to do. They've got their own HR people. They've got records of anything that's reported. You know, their their current employees, like how far are they supposed to go to investigate the claims of someone who's no longer with the company? Like how much are they supposed to bother their own employees about this without like real good evidence? I think the only thing that would have satisfied Twitter is if Naughty Dog posted a picture of their waterboarding room right. and said, okay, we're going to do some work now that these accusations came out we'll get back to you guys right somebody chained to a to a chair asking like what would you guys like us to ask this person like that might have satisfied twitter <laughs> yes it's like wow you know like you said their stories don't necessarily conflict he's like hey this happened and you know a long time ago and he didn't really say that he said anything about it then and they're like hey he didn't say anything about it then so Okay, I don't think he said anything about it. <laughs> right. uh, I, I don't mean to laugh. It's it's obviously something bad happened, and this this guy does honestly seem kind of troubled, uh, completely independently of this issue, whatever it was. Something just seems a little off there. So I I hope I wish the guy well. I honestly don't think this story is going to have a satisfactory conclusion for anyone. I, no. I don't I don't see where it would go from here, unless a lawsuit came up. Which I don't. I, I don't predict. I sort of don't expect that. Yeah. So, <laughs> speaking of lawsuits. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, PUBG versus Fortnite continues. Uh, they, they're not necessarily going to end up in court yet, but Bluehole is sort of still complaining about it. And Epic is, it feels like maybe they're sort of doubling down like, hey, we didn't do anything. <laughs> and I kind of agree with them. So, so give me your me take too. on this. I mean, it's just silly. I think Blue Hole should should have just um, should have just let it happen. I mean, it's inevitable. It's it's inevitable. It's just like watching trends in music. 
you yeah. see somebody hit a trend in music and then it that that vibe that that look that sound is going to show up for a little bit in, in in other music i mean it's just kind of natural how humans go and especially when you're dealing with what is essentially uh a popularity contest um so yeah here comes the battle royale games they've been trying to catch on for a while anyways um yeah this is not new. partially due to player unknown yeah you know i mean you got to give credit due where credit's due that guy really he was really pushing for that and uh some games flopped around in early access for a minute they hit this one on the head and they need to finish it right they need to finish their game i want to see them finish their game uh you've heard me rant about this for a while now um my stance is basically i've got many thoughts on it but they all basically come down on the side of epic mine too (laughs) i feel like for one thing the complaint in itself is basically about a couple of sentences in a promotional video where like a director speaks to a camera about and and it says perfectly flattering things about PUBG. it's like we you know we love this this genre we're influenced by these games and we want to try to create an experience like that for players okay that's not really a confession of anything wrong no um if you want to move on for and i mean that's an absurd thing to go like we may take action on that like a, a, a passive sentence in like a youtube video for facebook like what what do you think a judge is going to say to that <laughs> um, it's i don't really quite understand the motive of blue hole by pointing it out at all so i'm at a loss just from the start i think you kind of are too yeah uh, blue hole is part of their claim is that hey we built this game on epic's unreal engine yes so this is bullshit now the reason that's not bullshit is that doesn't mean epic has their source code i'm sure they don't no uh so if anything maybe epic could go hey you built this on our engine and if you want to continue to use our engine (laughs) you know you may want to cool right so i i think they're i think they're opening their mouths without thinking about it too much and to tell you the truth i think this is a problem that we're starting to see a lot where small indie studios with no real real experience start to do like big triple a business without big triple a experience or uh wisdom knowledge whatever you want to call it yeah and they're starting to trip up like this it seems to me that people were not ready for this situation they found themselves in they're not conducting themselves that well no not at all because what it screams to me and i've said this to you what this screams to me is that they went, wow, a more polished game with a better player experience. Because from what I understand, people seem to really like the PvE uh, mm-hmm. crafting, loot hoarding elements of this game. That game, that setup, that seems to be... I, I'm really interested in playing it. I need to give it a shot. It seems to be uh, something that's catching on. And then all of a sudden, this game that's further along, really, in a development stance, it just looks like it runs better, is taking their thing and being like hey look you know it's a game mode in ours now and you know why not why not go after gta about that they did that you know this one here i think more so is makes him feel like a direct threat because it could just be a better game right and that's what i'm wondering if they're sitting there sweating bullets thinking oh man they have created a better battle royale experience and this was the other thing i shared with you if i was at epic right now i'd be hitting these guys hard I would be going below yeah. the belt and you know, I would put out more videos that said stuff like sounds like they have issues with our game and uh, 
because our game is too much like your game and our question is what game that that public beta you guys are doing like finish your game oh. come back and talk to us <laughs> <You know? Wow. laughs> going for the you know? throat with these guys like hey we've we've got something that we're finishing come back and talk to us when you're ready to release this and we'll we'll discuss i'm telling you i'm telling you man it's it's um i would i would be more likely to defend devs in in situations like that the smaller dev in situations like that unless i hadn't observed their well their track record and their early access games i mean the arc developers miffed me i haven't played that game since that controversy happened and uh pub left a similar flavor in my mouth when they put instead of finishing their game they put in a microtransaction system uh, Tripwire Interactive, Killing Floor. I went through that thing, burning through their, those forms. I wasn't as angry as some of the other people, but oh, yeah. I still thought it was a very valid concern to bring up. You know, you guys promised us a game, and then the, the very next thing we see resources used for that we bought into it early, because I'm a huge fan of Killing Floor, is that you're going to throw a microtransaction system in there. And then PUBG did the same thing with the crate key. Same exact thing. And it's just like, it's tough to want to defend a development company that makes a move like that for a game that's in early access that desperately needs its bugs fixed when it advertises itself as an eSport ready game. Go watch some of the eSport ready footage for PUBG. And you just, oh my gosh. It's so laughable. If I developed that game, I would be so embarrassed right now because it's like, oh my gosh. They were (laughs) resetting servers in their first uh, for real competitive event i seem to recall hearing that yeah um and it's like wow guys wow i'm i'm with you i have the instinct to go and i mean i'm i'm an indie developer i don't i don't want to go hey this indie needs to shut up like i don't want to ever have to take that approach but this indie kind of needs to shut up um absolutely i'm i'm concerned because it seems like there's this trend where uh indie developers who and i say developers more like individuals than studios when you have studios that rely too heavily on a single person and their game catches fire that person sort of tends to go insane so i'm very scared that one of my products might become popular at some point no and I'll, I'll lose my freaking mind right i could give you tons of examples i mean you've got this PUBG thing uh that's that's not going anywhere positive you've got the no man's sky situation worse than that you had um Phil Fish with uh, God, what, what was that game? Fez. Um, Fez, I vaguely not, remember that. Uh, Marcus Person Notch from uh, the Minecraft fame, like he's way out there now. Like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm worried I'm gonna freaking lose it. Nah, you're good, <laughs> man. You you got a good you got a good base. You're, you're grounded. I think that's what happens when somebody is doing it um, for the wrong reasons, and it just changes their life and then they've had the wrong perspective from the beginning i don't know i could be wrong i just see that happen to people that stumble upon wealth sometimes and you know like they just weren't prepared and uh they they just had a different goal in mind i think when your goal is to make a good game instead of make something for a cash grab Mm -hmm. i think that's really solid evidence of how that's going to turn out honestly and a lot of these early access things are just scream cash grab well, yeah, that's true. Um, that's one reason I don't like what I'm hearing about the Naughty Dog stuff, because that was a story of 
a small operation uh, between two guys who are friends, and this is all chronicled very well in the book uh, Gamers at Work, uh, who, you know, they were just finishing college. They wanted to work on games back in the days when, uh, well, the PlayStation was just getting getting ramped up, and they traveled the countryside looking for publishers and just kept hearing no 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 and it was one of those stories like the very last people they went to talk to went yes we love this we love you we want to fund your stuff and they had this really nice underdog story from there where they got to work on like the sony movie lot and just just this developer's dream you know nice they've really turned that into something and you know when i hear stuff like this come up it's and it's got just nothing to do with the people at the top i'm sure uh you know but they they've got this crap that drops in their lap and it's like what do we do who do we believe i feel sorry for them like that's all because of because of how well they've done over the years we're talking like decades now where they have conducted themselves very well they put out great products they haven't lost their freaking minds you know they stay passionate about this stuff i you know what what else can you say like I, i would love to see naughty dog sort of rise above this uh find the truth deal with it appropriately and move on yes i agree and that's agree. that's why i'm you know being not sure it's going to happen that way is sort of disappointing yeah you know you may not hear much of it again it's it's really tough saying because like you pointed out earlier there's just really not enough info there at all for anybody to to be too fired up or anything yeah. I mean, it's not making light of the situation. It's just the objective truth. There's not enough there to get too fired up. Yeah. And uh, speaking of way back developers, uh, maybe not rising to the occasion when it comes to stress. Did you did you check out the links I sent you about sort of Ron Gilbert um, promoting Thimbleweed Park recently? I did. And I actually own that game and have played a little bit of it and enjoyed what I experienced so far. Actually, quite a bit. I'm a huge fan of those old point and click games. Right. Thimbleweed uh, Park has very, very positive reception so far. It's it's pretty cool, man. It grabs you quick. I need to get back into it. But being a dad and limited game time and well, we say this almost every time I talk, I just get sucked into my Overwatch group. Um, it's hard to not play that game because, well, it's actually finished. And uh <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's very polished. It's it's hard to want to do anything else. But anyways, to the to to these guys, and that's why I I hate to sort of tackle this topic this way because we just talked to our buddy Ron, uh, Ron uh, Paul Nicholas who recreated the Maniac Mansion engine in Pico Eight, which was super cool and everyone loves it. And he got to talk to Ron Gilbert about that project, and he said he was just this really nice, gracious guy who who was awesome to talk to and very supportive. And you look at Ron's sort of uh, state of mind about Thimbleweed, Thimbleweed Park's sales. Uh, he seems like he's not dealing with that very well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much of it is like, you know, his sort of grumpy fellow you know, character he's sort of created for his online presence. But like reading the thread just go on and on and on about like, hey, you know, you guys need to tell your friends about this because we we're not seeing the sales we expected and people are trying to sort of reach out and be like oh you know hang in there this is a great game and a great product and it'll it'll sales will pick up and he, he sort of snaps back at him like it's selling fine i just don't think enough people have seen it you know uh. yeah he said it was a, he he said it's selling fine it's just that not enough of the monkey island people 
got the game. And I don't understand is how I guess he would know that by checking out what else is in the library of people that have bought our. But how would they know that? Well, I mean, that was a really long time ago. And some of those people might even be dead. Yeah. (laughs) I don't mean to be a smart ass. That was like, what? 25 30 years ago that was a long time ago <laughs> yeah it was a really long time ago uh and and i i haven't looked at the dates so don't quote me on that but the the point is like he, you have to understand if you're trying to resurrect a genre that was cutting edge at that time and is now a little bit more of like a pet project um i think it's going to do really well on the switch because there aren't a lot of good games on the switch at all and in fact oh, they're I, moving it to the switch it, it's it just came out on the switch and it's already oh, number great. one I think. I think it's already oh, that's great i think it's already the top selling uh, new title on the on the switch no that's not true none of that is true stardew valley i was thinking of i am sorry it's oh. coming to the switch i think it's going to take the switch by storm Ooh, stardew valley yeah and that's 15 bucks oh, on the switch right now and man. i've been thinking i got a little amazon credit and i was thinking like i could work that out that's I, gonna that's gonna dominate that system, man. Because I adore you know I adore that game. I blazed through my first playthrough on that. I just got crushed it. On Steam, it. So I crushed it. It didn't really take me long to finish the the main what I consider story. I'm not even gonna say nothing to you. It's interesting how that unfolds. I appreciate. If that. I just start if I start saying too much, it'll it it'll start the plot will start crumbling. And I really 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 like how that guy made that game man you can tell he really sat down and wanted to make a great single player experience with a little bit of a throwback vibe to it i say that because that game does things with that type of a game that i was just like wow that's cool that's cool it's just cool man it is just really well done and you can tell a lot of his heart is in that like I can sit there and already know without talking to that guy that within asking him a few questions, he would be like, yeah, this is just basically a world that I wanted to live in. You can tell. It's like where he would rather live than sit there and program a game. That's almost the vibe I get from some of the dialogue in the game, that it's it's almost like him trying to be like, yeah, I w- this is wouldn't this be amazing? Yeah. And it's like cool, and that's why it's so charming. And you're just like, wow, you know, this guy wants to be here. Now I want to be here. It's it's <laughs> just so cool. It's a great experience. That's a game that I'm gonna have my kids play for sure because it teaches you so much, and it's uh, it's awesome. It's just really cool. There's like some really basic economic stuff in there, like most of those kind of farm games. But just the way that he does it is cool because, yeah, I, I could it, clearly I could nerd out on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, I love the idea of having it on the Switch. Um, I think that's probably a great way to spend the kind of time with it that you would like to. Yes, you know? absolutely. Uh, it's it's not always easy to sit down to that game on uh, on the computer or on the Xbox, but I think I think on the Switch it's going to do really well. And the sales seem to be proving that. Um, I hate to see Ron in such um, odd uh, odd sorts right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that is a good game, and and I don't really know much about the fella. And if that's just kind of his mo online, that's his mo. But if if I were him, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have I wouldn't have personally said that. It kind of 
I don't know. Last thing I'd want to do is, even if it is true, last thing I personally would want to do would be to alienate some percentage of the people that would potentially buy my game. Right. And it wasn't any one thing that he said that threw me off. It was like when I read a thread where he just, he clearly spent all day just responding to each and every single person. And a lot of it was like, you sure you want to say that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, I read through some of it, some of the responses and I had enough. I could kind of see how that conversation was going. Um, I, I was just saying on Twitter, like you never, you never spend a day in a heated conversation like that on social media and then look back and go like, man, that was a really great use of my time. <laughs> never. It just never happens. I, I don't think never. that led to any sales. Um, <laughs> like you said, you, you looked at it and sort of shivered and closed your browser. So. Yeah. And you know, like I'm pretty quiet on most social media. I need to migrate over to Twitter because I am so reluctant to post anything on Facebook anymore. And it shows. I don't hardly post anything on there. And it's just like... Uh, I don't know. In some ways, I could kind of feel for him if you're if you're going to say something, and then all of a sudden, you you know you get a you get a string of of comments in there that are just take it in different directions and kind of skew things. I get it. I understand how how that. But at the same time, though, coming out of the gates like that, you're kind of asking for it. So, I I think the right balance is when people will put out like a tweet about something maybe like a response to the first comment that comes back and then they don't revisit it no matter how ridiculous it gets off topic on topic they never say another word i've never been any good at that whether it was you know, <laughs> promoting my own stuff or just interacting with people i'm very very bad at that but that does seem like the right approach yeah i think i agree so, it would take some discipline too that actually turned into a nice little uh, pro tip on social media management, community management for uh, up-and-coming game developers, which yeah, is good because we've, we've made a point we're going to sort of get back to that those roots <laughs> that were intended to be a very large portion of the content of this show. But as it turns out, you know, a whole lot of game development has to shift along with the industry. So watching the industry and picking up on trends, following the news, uh, super valuable also has been my experience. Well, exactly. And you know what? Not to try to act like I know what's going on with the show, but that is a good segue, talking about trends, to bringing up EA. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what's going on here, buddy? So Visceral Games is now dearly departed <laughs> because EA shut their butts down. And uh, people slow, will man. if you don't recognize that name, they are responsible for the Dead Space series. Kind of surprises me. Yeah, they they created a lot of really great single-player experiences, and they were starting to do the same for a Star Wars game, which is now going to shift hands, and nobody really knows what state it's in, or who's going to work on it, or what it's going to look like as a result. So that, that studio is gone. I feel terrible for those people. I always hate hearing this stuff. A lot yeah. of times it's Disney that shuts down studios, but EA has done no shortage of this. Uh, and I just no. mean in terms of uh, studio stories that I end up covering, a lot of them are like, oh, Disney shut down, you know, whoever. And EA does it all the time as well. And it's very sad. It is. It really is. You don't want to see that happen and just, ugh. Yeah. But um, and it is alarming when you read the article. I didn't even, I didn't even, couldn't stomach reading the whole thing because I could just sense where this was going. And this was going in the direction of, they, what is that 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 phrase that that I read that it just made my brain 
I don't even know how to think. It was just filled. I was just filled with dread, knowing that someone in EA said, "We're looking. We're looking at current trends in the marketplace." It was one of their reasons why they decided to to ch- switch the focus on the game, and I was just like, "Oh no." What are we going to get? Star Wars, PUBG? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Their their commentary sounded a lot like, we feel that single player is dead. Basically. Um, and that, that rose that question directly on Twitter, and that's why everyone's been going insane about, um, well, people are pointing at indie studios as being sort of the new champions of the single player experience, which I think uh, in recent history and probably moving forward, that may turn out to be true. Could be. Uh, will this turn into uh, <laughs> Star Wars PUBG? Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, that's what I'm worried about. They're going to do that. Here's. Do you remember there was a game? Man, it was in the early 2000s, and it was on uh, PC exclusively, I think. And it was Jedi Knights. Do you remember that? Yes. I loved it to death. And there, I'm there wondering. Are a few of those things like Jedi Academy or whatever. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering if something like that would be coming. Now, while I would be partial to wanting to try it, because it would remember the good old days, because having some epic lightsaber battles on some of those games online that were just so stinking fun, you didn't even care if you lost. They were just so fun. I mean, if you're thinking about bringing some experiences like that back and feel that that's missing from the Battlefront series in some way, um, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's just so weird to me. I heard about what, what this. this could be. Yeah, and I didn't know this game was in development. Um, it it piqued I didn't my either. interest. This is how I found out about it. <laughs> right, it piqued my interest, and I immediately had to let it go because this game will probably never see the light of day. But what I yeah. thought about was the Force Unleashed series, which was great. Like that was a lot of fun. And if they had made something like an updated approach to to that kind of game, I think that would have done really well. Um, I will say this. I I think they may be making a correct assessment in the sense that when a single player game comes out for the way I play games, I almost never buy it at launch. I almost never pay $60 for it because my friends are playing games like, um, you know, they'll play Battlefront 2, they'll play the new Call of Duty. It's all this online multiplayer stuff where we're playing together. And if we do that stuff later there aren't as many players and there are more hacks out and exploits and the experience is not as good a year later compared to right at launch. So that's what we spend our, our launch money on. And then the single player stuff does come maybe a year or two later, like a long time after the fact. And if they can't deal with that, then yeah, I guess they have to get out of that business. You know, if, if indies do that, they're going to make single player games and they're probably only going to cost 30 bucks at launch anyway. <laughs> so Yeah. This is what I can see from a big big company perspective. Here's what it is. Microtransactions work. Okay? A bunch of us think they're ridiculous for the most part, but they're working because something that I think that is should be considered predatory is how they almost make it seem like gambling for young children when they have their parents credit card tied to the xbox or playstation account or whatever or maybe even if they're old enough their own form of payment is attached to this thing and they get christmas money and stuff like that and they're buying the next step up in the game all the time to get the to get more boxes so they get more guns and everything like that and it's just like 
this is working for them. That model is starting to really work. And then if you think about it, the single player, you cut a big expense with voice acting and making an actual story and different parts of game design get cut up. All you got to do is make these one really cool, quote unquote, sections of a map for you guys to fight in. The multiplayer community creates all of the experience, basically, you know, minimal contents offered. There's no plot, like I just mentioned, no voice acting. And then there's a marketplace. Boom, churn them out. 60 bucks a pop. You get uh, pre-order bonuses, so we get that money sooner. And then there you go. Keep churning them out. And it really seems like it's going that way for a lot of the big studios. And it's sad. It is sad. <laughs> it's, it's sad to see studios suffer over this because... I feel like many games come out. Um, Rise, Son of Rome, fell fell trapped to this. Like it was a really great single player experience that got. I, I can't say buried. That was a launch title, so that it doesn't sort of uh, qualify the same way. But long after the fact, we end up going back and finding these amazing gems of games that are yeah. polished and really fun and immersive in ways that the the multiplayer stuff never is. And we get to ha hear cool stories and, and do cool things. And the studios abandon these games right away because they, they can't milk another dollar out of it if they don't do very, very, very expensive DLC for it. And yeah. that it's a shame. Like, it's a shame for the studios. It's a shame for us because how many more games are just go slipping under the radar completely? Nobody wins, you know? <laughs> Nobody wins. It becomes a thing. It kind of reminds me like this. Like, sometimes at work... We have to consider about bidding a job so that we can keep our guys employed and it cuts our profits down. And it seems to me like that some of these dev studios are getting so big that they, they just don't want to do that anymore They don't because they're like, look at how many millions of dollars we can make off of 14-year-olds with a debit card attached to their Xbox account trying to get the next master blaster for their star wars character and it's just like we're done like in their opinion they're just like yeah we can do we're ea our game is going to immediately won't be on their wish list because they're banking off being big and mm -hmm. then boom they can just be like look they're paying this game is sitting here generating money and we don't have to do anything really yeah we don't and it's just like whoa like but at the same time please can you throw single player gamers a bone here we have the we have the technology now to make such a thrilling single player experience prey i have still not finished it and i cannot praise that game enough if you are jonesing for a single player experience play it soon it is worth your time brother yeah i am looking forward to playing that like very soon i was just thinking about how ea they're such a big company now. They are starting to spend a lot of money in R&D and they will have they'll have like professors from nearby universities come and spend a year or more at their um, corporate headquarters studying the actual business and trying to get a sense for um, how EA has taken the forefront in creating it's it's hard to use the term but a stable business out of publishing games and uh, it it's hard to to you know, celebrate their progress when you see them shut down a studio and it, it's not uncommon that they do so, but the things they've, they've done and the trends they've identified, it's all fascinating. And occasionally papers will come out that you can read from the academic side of like what these people discovered on the inside. But uh, business at EA itself 
is actually very stable and they've got a whole lot of lifers in, in the place that are talking about like, you know, my, my stock options have matured and life is great and all this stuff. But then you see the chaos, just like one circle outside of this uh, corporate office. It, it's, they got a long way to go in terms of creating sustainable <laughs> revenue, at least in the sense that doesn't cause chaos right outside the, the corporate walls. Right. You know, from my perspective, this is what I would do. I would look at that situation and be like, how much of a profit and how long is it going to take us to make this money back on this investment? You look at that and you're like, yeah, you know what? That's that's not really our the best situation for us. But at the same time, we're not going to lose our rear ends on this. There's no way they would lose on a good Star Wars single player experience. I would buy I might even pre-order that, even though I claim I'll never do that again. I would love that so much. Like if it looked that enticing, I might even do that. They they wouldn't lose anything on it. It's just I wonder if they wouldn't make what they see that they can do for much less work, really. Yeah. And and they say this game is not dead. That's that's me speculating this thing's going to be in development hell and might just sort of go away. It it seems hard to imagine a situation where they shut down one studio toss it to the next one the next one has a great experience like yay you know this this went very well doesn't seem like <laughs> that's gonna happen but um I, I i guess we'll have to see you know what it is they came up they came up with a really cool combat mechanic for the jedis and I, i'm just total speculation <laughs> of course and they're sitting there and they're looking at it and they're like okay can we make it work in multiplayer i'm wondering oh. if that's what they're trying to figure out right now and if they can't they're gonna dump it no one announced they dump it if they could take that combat and make it work for multiplayer experience i bet you'll see the game come out but it mark my words unless this can transfer itself into that ea model you know mm-hmm. just that mill of hyper polished games that's just Hey guys, here's a handful of levels and some loot crates. See you again in next year for number sixteen. And wouldn't that you know? be something if they did sort of multiplayer eyes this game and and then Battlefield Two suffered the same way? Uh, no, Battlefront Two suffers the same way Battlefront One did. <laughs> they've yeah. ru- and they've ruined multiple games in one fell swoop. Yep. Yeah. I mean, gross. Golly, it's it's just. Ugh. But yes. Let's not leave it too dark, man. We got to have something good to say. This this news week was really depressing. Wait a minute, there is nothing good, is there? <laughs> I was gonna say, man. I, I hope you got something. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything good, man. Uh, no. If anything, it was gonna get worse. If we had extra time, we were gonna talk about the the patent that Activision was just granted to uh, basically use matchmaking to uh, sort of shame new players into buying like loot crates and stuff like it that story is just disgusting and they they say i don't even want to talk about that i know (laughs) they they say it's purely research and development and they they got a patent that they just went out four years ago and they it's not in any games they're not going to use it in any games uh but boy it's it's gross that that's where their heads are at (laughs) really crazy and then there's a little bit of a little bit of fluff up with the new um Lord of the Rings game where there's a there's kind of a pay to win element to it that's got a lot of people concerned and uh and see and, that's another one of those games like I I desperately want to play that and I I have no intention to spend 60 bucks on it and it'll 
maybe it'll be game of the year again like the, the previous one was i yeah. just you know my friends i can't play with my friends on it i'm not gonna do it I don't, not right now that's and that's the thing that's why i keep going back to overwatch my buddies are like man you don't want to play PUBG with us too much anymore or, or yada yada or something else i'm like no nah, man <laughs> overwatch is finished it's polished i can play with a bunch of buddies it's just blizzard wins i'm not even a fan of the art style or the comic aspects of that game at all the game just freaking i don't get any other game running at 141 frames per second on full ultra with 22 millisecond ping it's like i don't PUBG doesn't run like that on my uh 1080 ti even right. it, it doesn't it, it's just like what is why should i have to play this game on low to medium settings to have a good enough network connection and it's able to be competitive right it's a similar story on the xbox it's like we could play overwatch and have a pretty good experience i think competitive wait times are too long uh yes you know we could also get on halo and all complain that like that guy was lagging and that guy whatever and it's the experience is just drastically different and that's against halo that's not against PUBG. that's like Overwatch really has their crap together. Yes, it is. It is like tough to try to play any other multiplayer game after I've played that. So uh, maybe our positive note to go out on is Overwatch is still great. It's fantastic. It's like crack (laughs) cocaine. So so let's let's leave it at that, man. uh, We won't do this again. We're we're talking to guests and we're going to get some some cool stuff going on. And if nothing else. We will talk about some cool uh, game projects I'm working on. I'll be happy to break them down for people who are uh, interested in that. So, um, you know, great. We, we got through it. So good, good work on pushing through. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. A week full of terrible news as it pertains to gaming my god try to keep up beat try to be, be good to the people around you because none of us can handle too much more of this junk we, we will make sure next week is not like this we will uh, celebrate the positives and we'll have a good time so in the meantime please feel free to subscribe to the show interact with us on social media we do this for you guys or otherwise it'd be too goddamn depressing so again for my uh, buddy john scheiber and for code right play i'm todd mitchell you guys keep playing we will catch you next week